0: Welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. Before we get into our discussion today, we wanted to play a clip for you guys. This is a poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. It was written in about 1943. And before we get into the discussion, I want you to really listen to this.
1: So here we go. If you can keep your head, when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself, when all men doubt you, but make allowance for the doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. But knock it out. And yet, don't look too good, not talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think, not make thoughts your aim you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same hey, Don't back up. Don't back off. you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools or watch the things you gave your life to broken and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them hold on if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you If all men count with you, but not too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance, run! Yours is the Earth and everything that's in it.
2: You know, that that poem is really a powerful poem. I was on my way back from rock climbing with my son. and on our way back we were we were discussing and, and talking and I had him listen to that poem. And he's become a he has come to a point with his, you know development and his the rock climbing that he's pushing himself further and further and learning how to reach differently and stand differently and get his muscles stronger and he enjoys training to make himself stronger so he can climb more. But as we're riding in the car, he's not doing it so I'll be proud of him. He already knows I'm proud of him. He already knows I love him. He's doing it because he feels freedom to expand himself and to grow. And when I had him listen to this, I didn't know what his response was. He's a kind of a comedian, everything needs to be funny, He always has a joke on his mind, so sometimes his seriousness isn't always serious. But there was a soberingness after he got done listening to that poem. And he said, Dad, I want that recorded. I want to listen to it every morning. And I think part of that poem, it's, it, was, it was done in 1943, so a long time ago during a, a different era, a different way of thinking. And it was when many, many people are sons, but not many of them really become a man. And so it was a transition, especially in that era of, of helping boys become men. And we've lost sight of a lot of that. But it doesn't mean your identity is changed. It just means who you are and your strengths are finally coming out. And one thing that really stood out in listening to that was our development cycle and what's really in our heart that we're desiring. We want to push ourselves farther. We want to take what we have and grow it. We want to take what we have and overcome. We want to take what we have and conquer but we just don't always know how to do it. And it's become works. People have just focused on strength without knowing who you are. And that's how the law worked. It was a slave driven. You're not something till you do this, then you become something. But even in this one, it says, you'll be a man, my son. It wasn't saying that you'll be qualified in my eyes. It just means you're going to hit the pinnacle of the gifts that's been given to you. I thought that was just kind of, anyway, that was my perspective of that.
0: Right, and the cool thing is about this poem, these are things that you can do. These are things that you have the capacity to be able to do. You have the muscles to be able to lift this weight. These are not things that are out of reach for us, that are out of reach for any of us, even though we might look at our circumstances and think, well, you know, that's going to be really hard. Well, yeah, guess what? Life is going to be really hard, but the point is you can do this. That's why we have all these examples in Scripture of great people that have worked what they were given, worked an identity, like you were talking about in the last episode. We've been given muscles, and we've all got the same ones. We've been given the same thing, or something greater even, than than some of the people we read about in the Old Testament. We've been given the same muscles that they had, in a spiritual sense, and we have the ability to work them and grow them. So I think our question, it, it's got to become what did they do or how did they grow their strength? Like you and I were talking before about David and Goliath, and we always go to David and Goliath. And that, that's the pinnacle of his story. But how often do we really focus on what he did to get there?
2: Yeah, for sure. Even, even the fact that that really wasn't the pinnacle of his story. Really, right, the pinnacle yeah. of the story was the establishment of this kingdom. But that's, yeah, in, in Sunday school, that's all you hear about is David and Goliath. Well, it, you think about it, even before he went and fought Goliath, why did he have the confidence to even go after him? Because he fought when he was a shepherd. Remember, he was picked to be a king. So he mm-hmm. knew he was going to be the king, but he never had to make himself king. So he never strived to become king. He just knew he was king. So he let God play out the rest of it how, it, how it all formed. So his heart always remained right and developed. So he goes and he kills a lion, protecting the sheep. He goes out and kills a bear, protecting the sheep. Did he have to do that to be loved? No, it is because he loved the sheep and, and the responsibility and he cared about the people who owned the sheep. So he did it on, because of, because of that. So out of love, he did those things. Now, all of a sudden, Goliath comes along, and it's the same story.
0: Right, and I think we see David going back to tending the sheep after he's anointed to be the king. A lot of times that's presented to us, or at least in my experience, as, well, you know, you got to stay humble, and I, I get that, and there's a context to that, sure, but I guarantee you that David did not leave that interaction after being anointed the king and go back to the fields thinking, well, I'm just this lowly shepherd boy again, and I'll never amount to anything. A shepherd has that mindset of, well, this is my identity, this is what I will be. David had his identity completely changed. So now he's tending the sheep as a king. Now when a lion comes, he approaches it as a king because he was given responsibility for this little flock. So how would a king protect that flock? And we see him starting to work those that identity strength that he was given on a comparatively small scale because it's easier to protect a flock of sheep than it is to rule a kingdom obviously but he worked it there so like you said when it came to goliath it was just an outflow of what he was already doing i've already been given this strength this identity and this this call you can say and so whatever comes in between me and that is just going to be exercised to get me through it yeah you
2: could even look at it this way is is if he didn't go out and kill the lion or kill the bear, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you understand that? Like, oh yeah, I would have run too. Like he right. could have even been justified. He probably wouldn't even, you know, he he would still be uh, within his family in the same position. He wouldn't be kicked out of his family if a bear or a lion came in and stole a sheep. But you know, that bear and lion were robbing from his family. So it almost became more of a, a knowing, I need to release this for the sake of something else. And I think that's, that's something that comes from a strong identity, not from a self-protection. Because he would have ran if he was only thinking about himself.
0: All right, that's kind of the interesting thing. Your focus shifts once, you've, once you step into that identity. It's not about your self-preservation. It's not about you. But at the same time, you do have to work on yourself in, in the sense that we talked about growing your strength. You've got to work on yourself in order to be able to fully protect other people. And care for other people. So there's a responsibility that you have to not let those muscles atrophy. You have a responsibility to grow them. And when a challenge does come up, to take it head on. But you do that knowing that you can overcome it. If we start it from, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to win or if this is going to kill me. I feel like we're kind of already shooting ourselves in the foot there. Because we're not relying on our identity. We're not relying on the strength we've been given and working that. Another one of the questions we were talking about before that I kind of wanted to dive a little bit deeper into, what are some of the muscles, what is some of the strength that has been given to us? We're talking about this new identity. We've gone over that for a few weeks. Specifically, what are some of the things that we've been given?
2: Well, one is the Spirit of God. So with that comes God's wisdom, God's understanding, um, God's knowledge, uh, his grace, um, which is your position, his his the place that he has placed you into. Um, in Psalms, it also says that David prays, "Don't forget all, forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities? Who heals all of your diseases? Who satisfies your mouth with good things? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies?" David says, "Don't forget those things." So. Obviously, even David was had didn't didn't even have what we have today with the Spirit of God since Jesus went to the cross. But even he said we got to quit keep remembering those things. But those are just some of the benefits that come uh, with this and the authority to walk this earth and within the and exercising uh, the Father's kingdom that Jesus came to to bring in. So those are uh, just some of the benefits that we've been given.
0: When it comes to the forgiveness aspect, especially, that's something I had to really work on when this whole just identity shift started happening in me, because it was really easy to believe in forgiveness for other people. It was a lot more difficult to believe in forgiveness for myself, especially when I saw myself doing things that I knew I didn't want to do that were contrary to my nature. But... Working that muscle, that strength of forgiveness and accepting it for one and then learning to forgive yourself the same way God has forgiven you is kind of a tricky thing for some of us. I know because we're used to this idea that we've got to go through a cycle of, um, you know, shame and guilt and maybe even depression for what we've done and then eventually come around to forgiving ourselves once we feel like we've kind of gotten over it when that's really not how the muscle is designed to work. Your forgiveness is a state of being. You just are forgiven. Like you had mentioned before, God's not forgiving you more than He already has. Like He says in Hebrews, it's been done once for all. So if He's already forgiven you, then we shouldn't look at that strength as something we've got to conjure up over and over again. We've already been given that muscle of forgiveness. It's just something that we've got to work and exercise now and learn how to you know, fully utilize. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. But I think a lot of us leave it in the bank. It's like, mm. okay, put it in the bank, but we never utilize what that means. Um, let me kind of illustrate that. Like, you know, you, you could take how some people will take a belief. Oh, I'm free. I forgiven of sins. So I can go do whatever I want. And I know mm. that just seems so redundant. Like we're even having that conversation, right. but if Paul was talking about it, obviously it just keeps happening. And we try to define those things. But truly, the forgiveness is the letting go of your old nature. It's, it's that old nature that's been crucified. All of that, Jesus paid for. So in a way, we can't ever be what we're supposed to be. We will never even see what our strengths are as long as we let unforgiveness stay in our heart towards ourselves. Mm-hmm. We'll never see our strength because we will never deem ourselves worthy of it. And I think it's interesting... In Acts, there's this point that's made that they could not receive eternal life because they deemed themselves unworthy. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. as long as we... Without forgiveness, you can never see the worth of the father and the son relationship. So this becomes an exercise of that And as we grow in that, guess what? you're forgiving towards other people. you have a different outlook. you catch the father's look towards other people. but it doesn't mean you excuse your action. What it does is it it, it allows your new man, your spirit man to rise stronger than the memory the memory and the remembrances of your old nature. That's how you put to death your old nature. But as long as you're staying in unforgiveness to yourself, you're still just rehearsing this dead man over and over and over again and you never get to you never get to the life that he provided
0: right and like you said it's something you have to work on and start where you are at with it don't try to compare yourself to who someone else is you know i don't go to the gym and look at the people that have been working out for decades and see how jacked they are and then think well i'm never going to get to that so i might as well not even try no i i got to start where i'm at and compare myself to me Yes. I think Jordan Peterson has this quote of compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. I think that's a, that is so applicable for this because a lot of times we'll get so discouraged in working these muscles, working these strengths because we're not where someone else is. I'm not as good at this. Seeing my, see my identity, identity as so and so, I'm not as good Sometimes at forgiving myself or, or forgiving others, or others as so and so. I don't, I don't utilize, utilize the, spirit the Spirit of God, God living in me as, as much as this person that I see, that I see over here. And that's such it's such a ridiculous, a ridiculous place, place for us to start, to start because, 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 I mean, whoever, whoever said that was, was supposed to be, be the measurement, measurement anyways. anyways? Whoever said we were supposed to be measuring our spiritual level with someone else's spiritual level? It's just such a ridiculous thing. The only thing that I can find. in in scripture for a context of us as believers is where it says, as Jesus is, so we are now in this world. That's the only comparison I see. And it's telling us, it's showing us that Jesus's state of being right now is what we also have. And so we can walk in that to the same degree that he did. And I think for some of us, that's it's either either such a a far out there statement statement that we can't can't really accept it and relate to it it, or we just kind of of look at it as as a yeah yeah, jesus Jesus is this this pinnacle of perfection and the goal goal is to try to be like him even though knowing that we're not gonna make it all the way but just try your best to be like him and that's still starting from the wrong part what we should be looking at is how jesus grew and not really just how he grew but who and who what, and he, what is he is now. now
2: yeah i i think um a side uh, kind of backing up and then commenting on this on the last thing you just said but backing up just a little bit i i think we always say well jesus is our main goal but we can never really get there like you're never going to really get to that point point. and it's because you're still looking at it not you jason but but we i'll say we because we all do it we are not looking at what we've been given. We look. We're, we're still looking as if I can get something. If I can, it's almost like going to the gym and you see the big muscle bound guy that can't even drop his arms to his side because his lats are so huge. And it's like, <laughs> man, if I just had those goals, um, uh, you know, because then I would just be I, I would be the the, the man. Um, or at least that's what I thought when I was 16 years old.
0: But isn't it, isn't it funny, a side note, that if you were that person now, you wouldn't really want to be that person? I mean, there is a level of too much of that, isn't there?
2: Well, I don't know. If I had it, I probably wouldn't argue it. Maybe because I don't have it, and I don't know if I want to work that hard to <laughs> get to that point. So it's easier just to say I'm, I'm happy without it. But I probably wouldn't throw it away if I had worked that hard to get there. But again, that really isn't a picture of what he has been given it really is a picture of what he utilized consistently repetitiously that grew that should be the encouragement man our muscles can grow I may not look exactly like that but through repetition so the thing I would look at is no longer the image of the person but what is his process of getting there and maybe my training's different but there's something to be seen with the consistency and the character and the endurance of someone like that. That's what, gives, that's what really stands out now to me because I know how hard that is to get there. Right. But to them, it's now normal.
0: And I look at it as I have this my six-pack analogy that I think about. You know, I've got what, what modern society would call a bit of dad bod these days. And so I've always thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to have a six-pack and I realized when I was talking to a, uh, a trainer friend of mine, I already have one. I have a six pack. It's just that there's a bit of a layer of junk and fat and stuff covering it up. So it's not visible. Every person, barring some medical dysfunction or some, some mutation or whatever, has a six pack. You have the same muscles that everyone else does. It's just that some people have been working theirs and growing theirs and reducing the things that cover it up. And so when you were talking about this fact that we don't create the strength, it's already been bestowed based on our identity. At least for me, it's a lot easier to step into that when I know that it's it's something I've already been given and it's not something I have to figure out how to create myself, you know?
2: Well, I, I, I think maybe I'll, I'm going to add a little more clarity to that is it's not, you're, you're actually not even given strength per se. You're given the capacity for strength. Hmm. You're given the, 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 to, the muscular tissue to grow and to expand. And the, the, what's important with that is it, it does require you putting that towards resistance before you see your strength is actually measured. So anyone could say they're strong, but until it's measured against something, now all of a sudden it's different. Um, back to the rock climbing analogy, my my son was he's become a big uh, the other the other climbers when they're when when he goes in to go climb the other climbers always stop and watch him because he's been pushing himself to such a a, a limit he's just getting stronger and and faster and there's a big muscle like I mean just fit and ripped guy comes in not huge muscle in the sense like bulky but just fit and so he got up and started climbing and david just out climbed him the, <laughs> the guy couldn't use his mu- he was fit but he wasn't a rock climber and he wore out going up the walls and i thought it was interesting is because it was a different muscle a different way your muscles are used a different strength in rock climbing than in uh let's say running or uh, maybe just, or just bulking some up. kind of fitness program. So I thought that was just a really kind of interesting analogy to your point of whether we can measure to someone else or not. They both had the same muscles, but, but my son was using those muscles in a manner that was fit to his task. This other guy was using his muscles that were fit to his task, but once they had a crossover, uh, there would be some cross development that would still have to take place to make those things work.
0: I think there's a more relatable way for us to compare ourselves to Jesus than maybe what we've a lot of us have done in different church traditions. We were talking earlier about the growth of Jesus and how we should see what he did in relation to the Father and how he grew, how the Father discipled him, how the Father trained him, and take something from that. So how did Jesus grow? Because you had mentioned a scripture, I don't remember where it was, it talks about Jesus growing in wisdom and in stature and in grace.
2: This is really powerful because um, Jesus said uh, when he was talking to the Pharisees, I only do what I see my father do. So the question comes, how is he seeing his father do it? Now remember, Jesus in Hebrews, it says he is our perfect example. He experienced everything we are. So Jesus had to grow like we do. He had to learn to put his clothes on. He had to learn how to hold a spoon. He had to learn how to speak. He had to learn all these things, just the same way we have to learn these things. The difference was his nature that he was born with was perfect. Well, guess what happens to us when we're born again? Our nature becomes perfect. So, but he still had a function in this world. He still had to deal with all the outside elements that were coming against who he was. So he had to grow. And I, I think this is a great, in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, um, And let me just comment one more thing on who Jesus is. I think it becomes important that Jesus didn't say even compare ourselves to him. He didn't say be like him. He said be conformed to his image. That means pressed into that you look just like him. Your spirit man looks like Mm -hmm. him. What he has, you have. You are one with him. You are seated with him. You are connected with him. Now it's just us Growing in those things that he's given us. And that's a huge difference than a pursuit of trying to be like. Even though we're growing. So there's some things that haven't manifested or we're not as strong in as he was. We have the capacity for it. That means we can grow into those things. So if we look at Luke chapter two, verse 40, it says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. That's his identity, his inner man, filled with wisdom and grace was upon him. So that's verse 40. Then it talks about how they go to Jerusalem. He's 12 years old. He goes and speaks in the synagogue. And here's what the people said about him in the synagogue. In verse 47, it says, And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now, just so we understand, Jesus was exercising the thing that had been given to him. Now, was he doing? did his ministry start at 12 years old? No, didn't start till he was almost 30. Did did he do miracles when he was 12 years old? No, those didn't happen until later. But the things that were given to him, he was exercising him and in the synagogue, which is much different than how we function in our church services, it wasn't a monologue. It was the rabbi reading his passage. And then the men would discuss and argue the scripture so they can gain understanding. They can learn to articulate what they believe. And it, they would wrestle with with the scripture in the, in, the, in the synagogue. And it was Jesus was speaking and he so grabbed understanding. He took the gift and started utilizing it and he became stronger. And in verse 52, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, which means The core of it was given, the capacity for it was given, but he had to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Does that mean that God liked him more later? No, it just meant that as he began to grow, he also grew in the favor, in the grace that was over his life um, as he began expanding himself. And so this is really important that Jesus had to do the same process that we are to do. But was he not still the Son of God? Absolutely. Was his identity secure? Absolutely. But he had to grow in these things that were given to him.
0: I think there's a really big connection there between the the natural side of it and the spiritual side of it. For a lot of us, at least for me, I would separate... You know, a long, Years ago, I would separate the spiritual growth of Jesus and the physical growth of Jesus. So passages like that were really just a, yeah, he had to grow up, and maybe he was a little bit immature as a kid, but he just grew physically and grew mentally, so he learned his ABCs. But there's really a spiritual aspect of it as well, and like you said, it's not that his identity was lesser as a child. He was always the son of God, But for a lot of us, we see development and growth as something that's weak and vulnerable. So I am weak and vulnerable now, so I need to exercise and grow so that I am secure. And that's really not what growth is. Growth is not a state of being weak, it's a state of natural progression. You know, every single bodybuilder works out, and every normal person. All of us that are normal would look at them and say, okay, you're done. You've achieved achieved all the muscle density, all the strength you can. They are continually exercising their muscles. So growth isn't necessarily to get us to this finished product where ding, now you're done, now you're okay. It's a natural part of the process of being a son.
2: Well, it's interesting. Even when I, I broke my ribs a couple months back, knocked to a chair for three or four weeks, there was something in me that was this sense of excitement and we were we made a decision how we were going to handle that and what we were going to do with it. I don't know if I could fully explain how I knew, but I knew I was healed. But now I had I felt like I needed to strengthen those muscles. And so each day I would do a little more and a little more and a little more. And I cannot tell you the excitement and the, 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 the fun, uh, fun's maybe the wrong word, but the joy of telling my body, you're gonna get back to a whole place to the point where I was walking, uh, laughing was painful. But as, as we we begin growing in this till it was done and that journey was really kind of an exciting, eye-opening experience. I never wanna have to experience it again. It was not fun that way, but watching my, my brain and my spirit tell my body to start going another direction was exciting. And so I think it kind of fits, fits to that, but because I knew who I was, but if I saw myself as a broken, defeated, weak, and I just stayed in the chair waiting, waiting for God to do something, one day just pick me up and it would be over, uh, I, don't, I don't think I would have recovered that fast. I think it would have been just kept going on and keep dragging on. But instead, I, I felt my spirit motivating me to, to okay, go a little further, go a little further, okay, rest, go a little further, rest. And to me, it was coming out of who I was, not in a response to, I have to do this. Why did this happen to me? Why am I stuck in this chair? And all the misery of it, instead, it became a challenge to overcome.
0: And I knowing that story and at some point we're going to have to spend more time on that cuz there's so much context to that. But I know that there's a difference between viewing that from a perspective of, okay, well, God caused this to happen and broke my ribs so that I could grow versus this happened and my father is walking with me through it and I'm growing and being strengthened through it. So, how I guess, how would you describe the difference in that? Because I know you don't see that event as your father deciding you need to grow, so he cracks your ribs, because that's not what a good father does.
2: I think the quest, that question stems from a wrong motive to begin with. I think if you know that you're loved, and you know the father's for you, you don't even assume he did it. Like it, You're not victimized by something you live in a fallen world. The Bible says you have an adversary. The whole idea that he's bringing in a new kingdom, like he brought in his kingdom. So I guess that begs the question, what kingdom was here before? Who was running that one? So now you have this conflict of kingdoms and you have this fallen world and you have this stuff going on. But I could go back and say, I could have grown strong without the ribs if I would have grown in wisdom and discernment. I may have been able to... Be, maybe god was speaking to me all along about my drive home and and that could have been a whole different thing maybe i w- i would wish to spend more time in growing in that versus growing in the outflow of what i ignored and so i learned some things even about my driving i got a little too uh comfortable with the with the uh river flow of traffic in thailand and I uh, wasn't necessarily in the wrong, but I could have been more preventative and looking back, I I actually drive a little differently now cuz I think it could have been avoided. And so there's things that I learned in that. But once the event happens, you know what? That's where forgiveness comes in. You move on to how you got there. Now, how are you
0: getting up and moving forward? So I want to leave us with one more one more thought I know we're going to be spending a few more weeks on this, so there's a lot that we haven't covered today that we're going to be getting into in the coming weeks. But as a starting point, how do we begin to exercise these things? How do we begin to work on these strengths that we've been given?
2: Uh, Jason, you are sharing with me a verse about how to work the works of Jesus. Uh, Do you you have that on top?
0: Yeah, so it's in John 6, um, I think it's verse... 20 yeah verse 28 so in john 6 28 the people are asking jesus what do we do so that we can work the works of god and i love jesus's response to them because it's really i mean the question itself is something that the vast majority of us i think are asking quite a bit or at least we used to it's what do i have to do to be okay with god what do i have to do to be in right standing so that I know I'm doing the good things and not doing the bad things. Just tell me what I got to do. Give me the list. And I love his response because in, in 29, he says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And that's it. He doesn't give them a list. He doesn't give them 10, 12, or 613 things that they should try to do. He says, the work of God is that you believe in him who he has sent. So that's the starting point for all of this. That's that's where all this comes down to is believing in him. And we should, at some point, we could spend a couple hours talking about what it means to believe in Jesus Christ because it's more than just, oh yeah, I know he was there and I know he died on the cross and things like that. There's a depth to it that involves accepting that position and that identity that's been given to us through grace. And that is how you work the work of God.
2: That really brings it to the the picture of how do we how do we begin? How do we train? How do we develop our muscles? And I, I think what's critical here is just like Jesus is talking in the temple, he's just about his day at 12 years old. It's just what other 12-year-olds did too. It wasn't abnormal, it was just part of part of the day, but he released something more in that environment that was different. And I think first we need to get over. Let, we need to keep, you need to bring everything back down. Don't make everything, I have a crisis. I need God to show up. How do I make him work now? What do I need to change in me to make this problem go away? That is a bad place to be in the sense of trying to leverage your strength, because now you're trying to, you will eventually begin thinking, if I do this, then God will show up. Mm -hmm. And it is not the truth. God is already there with you. He said he will never leave you nor forsake you. So the question needs to come back in that particular question, God, what do you want to be to me in this, right? Because we believe on him. So God, who are you to me in this situation? The second is, what is my response to the situation? Now, all of a sudden, there's some activity, but you're not making it happen. God's just navigating you through that. So that's on the bigger stuff. So let's talk about that in another episode. Let's flip it back to... um, How do we work the works of Christ? How often do we take the scriptures of who he says he is and we sit and meditate deliberately and start seeing ourselves in that place with him, that we start seeing ourselves in that action. So now we go throughout the day, hey God, what do you, um, I'm looking for something at the store. You know, for instance, I don't know where it's at in the store. Why don't you do a scavenger hunt with God? Okay. Help me find this thing. I don't know where it is, so I'm going to just stop. I want to hear your voice in navigating. And all of a sudden, you just do some fun little exercise, and it might take you all day, but you know what? In time, you will start hearing how he's talking to you about things. All of a sudden, that's growing in that strength of hearing his voice. Then you, you, you add different pieces like, okay, I'm, I'm faith, feeling insecure about this situation. Father, who are you to me? What, what am I to you? And you take those promise scriptures and you start not confessing them as in, if I say it a bunch of times then I become it, but more of meditating on it, thinking it, reminding yourself of who you are, that you're growing in that. So now as little problems come or little challenges come, you're feeling positioned differently to deal with it versus feeling under it, you're starting to feel equal with it. Great example is just go do any activity and start letting God be involved in that activity, like my son climbing. He didn't want to climb when he first started. It was too hard, it was too big, it was too far of a reach. But we just kind of kept going and we kept pushing and I that we have, he has a great instructor and he he challenges him, you could do this, you gotta switch feet, you gotta switch feet, you're not reaching it because you're not switching feet, switch your feet. So he finally switches his feet. Um, just so you know, it's easier to say that when you're on the ground than it is when you're standing on the wall barely able to hang on. <laughs> And But he does, does it, and then all of a sudden he grabs it, and it's like, wow, I could do that. See, it was always in him. He just needed a different view, a different voice to get him to that point. And so I think there's so much we could do on a daily basis. I think the biggest problem is we take the basic things of life that we enjoy, and we don't even involve God. Then we wait till the big things happen. All of a sudden we need God to show up, but we don't know who he is in the fun and the daily and the interactions with our kids and the interactions with our friends. And when we're playing cards, we don't know who he is in that, but we live there. And then we try to step into the hard things or something crisis comes. And now we wonder where God is. God is a father to his children. And the Bible says that unless you come into the kingdom of God like a child, you'll never really see it. You'll never understand it. So a child comes in innocent, forgetting what he was, and just grows in all the new
0: things. And a child is still still growing. In fact, a child is not absent from the growth process, but they do rely on their father as the source of that growth. And even the word belief, when in, in John, to go back, Jesus was saying believe in him who is sent the word believe does not just mean to be convinced of something or to think that something is true the the definition of the word itself involves entrusting something to someone else especially your your well-being or your spiritual well-being so it's to entrust the source of your well-being your state of being to jesus to god as your father and so what that means is that now we're not approaching any work or any any day, any week from, okay, what do I have to do to be okay with God? Now we are approaching every circumstance from, okay, what does a son do here? Father, what would you do in this situation? How does your daughter, how does your son respond to what's going on right now? And that's the way that Jesus operated. That's the, the thing we see in Scripture when it talks about you know him leading us beside still waters as you you were mentioning before when we were talking it's not that he sends you out by yourself into this it's that you are being led with your father into something because he's a partner with you going back
2: to that poem that we wrote listened to at the very beginning i think what's really interesting about that it's really a father saying to a son this is what i see in you this is what i see in you and and the the When Jesus talked about the meek shall inherit the earth, that word meek meek was utilized from a soldier's perspective of a strong, powerful, confident soldier that chooses to sheath his sword waiting for the command of his officer. He could pull it out, he Mm -hmm. had the capability to pull it out, but he chose not to utilize it. That was a meek soldier. And I think we've lost touch with that because what's important here is even as we're talking, God sees what we are and what he is, our name, our individual name that plays in in correspondence with his name and our influence on this earth. And so he is calling what we are. And it seems like there's these hard challenges, but when you know what you are, it's like, okay, yes. Yes. I mean, what if you looked at life? What if you really got God's perspective on things and someone just absolutely betrays you or does something wrong and you just said, God, let's see how far forgiveness will go against the enemy on this one. Let's just see what, let's see how far this thing will go. I'm not even going to look at that person. I'm going to see what's beyond them, using it from a confident matter to see what, what that will actually do. And, but that's the perspective
0: shift. And there's a lot more that we've got to talk about on this whole topic of strength over the next few weeks. So we appreciate you guys tuning in for this one. Stay tuned for more discussions on this. You can uh, leave a comment on the podcast itself if you got any questions about anything we've talked about today. You can find us on Facebook at Outbound Life. You can go to outboundlife.org and get all sorts of information about upcoming events and articles, videos, things like that. So we appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll see you next time.